Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of iHeartRadio and Shondaland Audio. Hi guys, it's Katie Lowe's and welcome back to Katie's Crib, the podcast for real conversations about all things parenting. Okay, on this episode, in honor of Father's Day, I am so incredibly happy to have my friend Bryce Dallas Howard joining us to talk about a lot of things, but in particular to celebrate extraordinary dads. Now, you guys know Bryce as a massively talented actress. She starred in Rocket Man, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Pete's Dragon, The Help, and that amazingly, incredibly terrifying Black Mirror episode that messed us all up a lot, just to name a few. She's also been super busy in the director's seat. She has a documentary called Dads. It offers a firsthand glimpse into what fatherhood looks like today all across the globe. And in addition to bringing me to tears like a thousand times while I watched it, the film is just a very heartening picture that we don't get to see enough. Okay, so we're going to get into all that. But first, I want to take a moment to check in with all of you. How are you guys doing? Hi, mamas. How are you? Especially during this time. I want to hear from you and what questions you have about what's going on and ways that Katie's Crib can help. All of these huge, huge things that we are dealing with right now. I plan to have episodes coming up where we talk about coronavirus in pregnancy, coronavirus in toddlers. We're going to have a pediatrician come on and talk to us as well as a OB who's specializing in coronavirus right now. I also would love to do a whole um, episode on how to raise an anti-racist kid. So what do you guys think? I would love to hear your opinions. You can email me your questions at katiescrib at shondaland.com. Okay, without further ado, here's my dear friend Bryce Dallas Howard. Guys, Bryce Dallas Howard is here. For Bryce, I can't express... Oh, first of all, we have to say congratulations on graduating, right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Guys, so Bryce much. Dallas Howard and I went to Tisch School of the Arts together at NYU. Some of the greatest memories I have of how I formed into being a person, artistically, personally, professionally, whatever, all those things. Bryce and I got to do a show together in college, and you are just the most exceptional actress. Like... Then, now, oh my God, I used to, I was a small part in the play. Bryce was the lead, obviously, <laughs> duh. And I just remember, like, not small. Yeah, I just remember sitting back there and just being like, she is the most, uh, like, I just, I'm such a fan of your work. I'm, I'm so glad I got to work with you on stage in college. I'm so, I'm just so glad to know you on so many levels. And every time I get to see you, which isn't enough, but when I do get to see you at Hollywood functions or whatever, you just really feel like like a safe haven of home to me. I don't know if it's because we grew up together or like those were such formative years. Um, also, your then boyfriend, now husband, Seth Gable, uh, was roommates with a guy I was dating in college. <laughs> so- 
show. Who just had a baby. Who just you did? had a baby. No yes. way. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Congratulations, girl. Jason Liu. Of course he had a girl. <laughs> yes. I'm naming he's wonderful. Jason, he's a dear friend. I love him to death. He I dated him in college. He was best friends with Seth. They lived together. So like Bryce and I were really finding ourselves on stage, in their apartment, in yes. Brooklyn, we you know, the all these things. Yes, we were the girlfriends. Um and you were just the first person I knew who like got married and had kids. Mm. <laughs> like you were It happened right away. <laughs> like it was I a surprise we were nowhere us. near that. We were nowhere near that. But like you fell in love with our college boyfriends in a way where you were going to be with him forever. That was not the story with me and Jason Liu. Although I love you, Jason Liu. Congrats on your baby. Um, tell. Did you always know you wanted to be a mom? Yes. Yes, definitely. Well, first of all, thank you, Katie. <laughs> I feel the same as you about you. And you were Aww. just always a light and always someone that I felt like I could always just be myself with. And like, I'm a little like, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you'll you'll understand this. Like it was like the early aughts and like the hipster movement was just like being born and like, yes. you know, in like Brooklyn and stuff. And yes. um, and and I'm like, was a dork now a dork will always be a dork but it was like there were those like hipster vibes going on and so there was a little bit of like everyone was like 80 percent ironic and very cool and maybe a tiny bit aloof and i just always felt with you i was like oh a kindred spirit <laughs> like someone who i i admire and i love and i feel just safe with just totally safe because we were like what are we doing in this this brooklyn apartment was so disgusting there was like three boys living there that you had to get walk through each of their bedrooms to get to a bathroom like it was so gross and it was not cool greenpoint williamsburg like what it is now i mean this was 20 years ago and it was not right the hipster thing was just starting but you and seth we're the real deal. Like, yeah, it worked out. And then, luckily <laughs> enough, Dane, who was the third, it was Dane, Jason, and Seth. Right. Dane is now my brother-in-law. They <laughs> just mean... had my married my sister. They just had their third baby. Oh. They just had a girl. There's oh so my girls. god! Yeah. So the only pair that didn't get in on getting to call Bryce a sister-in-law. Well, that wouldn't have worked because you don't have... Oh, I no, guess if I married you... <laughs> no, yeah. they weren't related. But now Dane is your brother-in-law, which is crazy. Yes, yes. and so fun. And like, all of the other memory I have is when we were doing the play, I remember... First of all, I didn't even know Ron Howard was your dad. Like, I had no idea. And then I remember... We were doing the play for Saints in Mexico, which, again, to go along with the whole, like, hipster college, like, New York 20 years ago, you know, us coming off the train and, like, living in New York City, being, you know, we were these lost It was, like, devised theater. Yes. And we were, like, we thought we were making the greatest art that has ever been created. I thought. I mean, I'm speaking for you, but I thought we were making. I still feel to this day. That that's the case. Yeah, maybe possibly. it was. Maybe it was. We were we were <laughs> making very experimental theater, and it was like opening night, and you were running off somewhere, and you were like, "Oh, just let me know if if my family gets here." And I was like, "Okay." We were sharing a dr- there. We all the girls were in one dressing room, and I was like, "How will I know it's your family?" Because I didn't know it was your dad was on Howard. And you're like, "It's a, like pack of redheads," because like your entire fan, you have twin sisters who are redhead, your brother's redhead, your mom and dad are redhead, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I think." her dad is Ron Howard like it dawned on me at that point and then no you got way. yes and then you got flowers delivered to the dressing room from your godfather Henry Winkler and I was like this is the most famous person I have ever known in my entire life and she's this beautiful and she's this talented this is so dumb anyway oh Katie <laughs> Those are my no, Bryce Dallas Howard memories. It's like, I mean, but honestly, I have to say, just like given the fact that we're talking about dads and stuff, I oh, feel yes. I've been so lucky in the dad department. Like, you yes, have. Seth is an incredible dad as my husband. But even back then, like we're like 18, 19, 20 years old, like my dad, my godfather, like now like Josh Gad is the godfather of my children. Like it's just like, you know, just men showing up. For yes. the women in their lives. And, and yes. I've just always felt that that's 
what I should expect. Absolutely. Did you know that Seth was going to be... Okay, Seth is a very involved father. You always knew you wanted to be a mom. It was a shock yes. to you that you did get pregnant very yes. early. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And it wasn't an easy road for you, right, to get pregnant? Like you, you... – Well, I I had – I was like – I definitely wanted to be a parent, but huh. um, Seth and I weren't married yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we and I was like young, and that was like okay, we're gonna do it in in the future or whatever. And simultaneously, there were like some like not to go too far, but I think like your audience can vibe with this. There were some gynecological like yeah. complications, and I there was a moment when I thought like oh my gosh, like this might not be possible. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was really proactively working on kind of balancing everything, and but with no intention of of getting pregnant at all. And, um, and Seth and I got married. I was doing Spider-Man three at the time and, um, had been doing like all of these stunts and like dying, like bleaching my hair and just all this stuff. And then, um, and we finished shooting two days before my wedding. And so I was just like, go, 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 go. And then I got married and I remember the morning after I got married, I woke up and I was like, oh, I feel so nauseous. But I didn't kind of connect the dots. And I went on a trip with my family um, instead of like a honeymoon, proper honeymoon thing. And But it was super fun. And we were all on a boat. And so I thought I was seasick the whole time. And, nope. And then finally, yep, nope, not at all. Finally got, got a, a test, found out I was pregnant. Um, and then when I came home and went to the gynecologist, I was like 11 weeks pregnant. So Whoa. I had had no idea. And um, and in retrospect, I'm sort of like, okay, that's great. Because, like, it would have maybe, like, getting married and then also being like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a mom. Like, it was great to be like, okay, that chapter is done. We're married. The wedding is out of the way. And now, now the focus is starting a family together. And I was instantly ecstatic. Seth, when I was like, I'm pregnant, he literally – it was like in a movie. He was, like, standing um, – in front of a chair and he did the like slow sit down and then he like went and put his hands like up to his head and was just like in this like like position of like defeated (laughs) so well he was so where are you 25 he's like 24 i mean come on a man at 24 that's a huge just got married his wife's spider-man 3 like he now he's pregnant like that just seems like i mean it's a lot yeah that's it's a lot and i was like I'm going to be such a natural mom. Like, I'm the oldest of four. I'm the oldest of all my cousins. Like, I worked at a daycare. Like, for years and years and years. Wasn't any of all that kind of stuff. And and then when I, when I gave birth mm-hmm. for a myriad of reasons, I suffered really hardcore with postpartum depression. Yeah, I remember Seth, this. on the other hand, I have this distinct memory where I, I gave birth and, you know, you're like, it's like a fever dream, you know, and you're like, oh, the baby and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then they're sort of like dealing with me in the placenta. I mean, I'm really going there right now. um, Oh, no, we talk about a lot of vaginas. (laughs) I mean, we've had sex therapists, pelvic floor specialists, vaginas, so we're ripping. It doesn't matter. Like anything is, it's very gorgeous, (laughs) gorgeous. So like in that, like, period of time after birth when you're like yeah. yeah after birth when you're like the placenta is happening yeah. they gave Theo to Seth and Seth took off his shirt so skin to skin and yeah. I just saw him holding cradling Theo and whispering in his ear anything is possible just again and again anything is possible anything is possible and that wasn't something that we like strategized together like this was just Seth stepping into this new realm of his life but what's I really have interesting? Such goosebumps. Well, what's interesting is that I what I realized in making dads is that there's no rite of passage for men when they become fathers. Zero. Like, interesting. As far as my research, I mean, I I, I couldn't find one really. No, certainly not a mainstream rite of passage like, say, a baby shower is for women. Right. And so this. This lack of acknowledgement that your life is going to completely change, I think, kind of leave men out to dry a little for bit. Sure. And for sure. the fact that Seth had those instincts was uh, was a gift. 
it's very normal, but it's not that we always need to expect that. And the same goes for women. And I didn't have the instincts that Seth was having in that I moment. didn't either. And I was kind of in this existential crisis, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. I had – you had really bad – so how your postpartum depression, I've read in articles out there and stuff. It was really – Long. You had really long, dark – Mine was only like six weeks and it started to lift and shift. But I can remember that's when I realized I always knew and I'm sure you did, too, because we've known Seth since he was like this is who Seth and Adam are. But like Mm. I always knew Adam was going to be a very, very hands on, very involved. If it's not 50 50, then God knows there's a lot of 70 30 and it's him, to be honest. Yes. Like, like, to be completely frank about that. I feel like same with Seth. And I feel like. When I came home and I didn't connect to Albie at all right away and I was dreaming of moving to Europe and changing my name and I wanted a fake identity and why did I do this? And similarly, you had said in an article you called Theo it because you didn't have any connection. I had the same. And Adam was taking – the night nurse was over and Adam was like, holy fuck, I got to write down everything this person's saying because I don't – I think I'm going to be alone in this. Like I don't think Katie Mm. is available. (laughs) Like I better figure out how to do this. Did you know when you had postpartum depression, did Seth really have to step up? So here's what's super messed up. And this is why. And this is and, and mm. I did it differently the second time for this reason. Seth had a job that he had to go to five days after Theo was born. And we also in this sort of like we were like in this sort of hippy dippy phase of our life, we were like, maybe we'll have a postpartum doula. We can really do it all on our own. Sure. And then the the postpartum doula actually wasn't available because I went so over and then she had another family she needed to go with. And sure. so it was just me and and um and Theo because Seth was gone. And it was like that for a while. And um and and that was something that really especially at night we eventually, because I actually had to, two weeks after he was born, I needed to go do press for Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, like, I'm still wearing a diaper you, myself. How did it, you? It, I, I can't. It, it I wasn't can't. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. Um, and, uh, like, not a good move in general. But, um, but because we hadn't kind of, like, anticipated what this post, like, birth period of time was going to be like, Seth just wasn't, he literally wasn't physically there for quite a while. And then, um, and then I went into doing a movie when Theo was just a few months old. And so he was with me and I, there was a caregiver with me, which obviously like made a huge difference, but I was without, I was separate from Seth. And so it wasn't until Theo was like really like six, seven months old that they were, um, that he was able to like fully, fully, fully engage just because they were in the same place. And that just like having the the parenting kind of everything on me when I was going through this like total just falling into a bottomless pit, it felt like yeah. was was really confusing. And then also doing press at the same time, I was trying to put words to the experience. I'm like, they're like, you must be so happy. I'm like, I'm so happy. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm enthusiastic about everything. So it just felt so, the whole thing was just really, really, I mean, defining. It was, de- it was a defining moment for me. And when I had Beatrice, Seth was working and he was working in Vancouver. And so I decided to take Theo and go there and give birth in Vancouver, which mm-hmm. was a really great experience. And actually, because I had a history of postpartum depression, um, even though I only went there when I was like, thir- I was like 30 something weeks, it was like really kind of near the end. And so I had to meet a doctor like, just like, you know, last minute, really hey, you want to deliver minute. this baby? Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah. they have systems there in Canada where they have um, uh, mental health reproductive units in every hospital. And so they actually put me with both a psychiatrist and a psychologist prior to giving birth so that they would oh, have a baseline. this is amazing. It's amazing. It, was, it changed my life. So I had a baseline. And then after I gave birth with Beatrice, they would have – they had an understanding of where I was at before – did you have any of that with Beatrice? Did you have postpartum depression with Beatrice? I, with Beatrice, I had so much. Uh, okay, so here's what happened. So Seth was working. Uh-huh. And the day, she was born two weeks late as well. The day of my due date, I fell. 
and I fell in a restaurant. I was walking into a restaurant and there was like water and I went, whoop, boom. No, no. Yeah. No. And I, and I like, um, my pelvis came apart and, and so I was in excruciating pain. They brought me to the hospital. They're like, we need to monitor you for 24 hours and see like if the baby's in distress. The baby was fine. My pelvis was wrecked. They couldn't give me painkillers because I'm still pregnant. I um, called uh-huh. a few doctors and got some second opinions. You're not this. This part is going to blow your mind. They were like, okay, your pelvis is wildly compromised. So, if you have a C-section, your abdominal wall is compromised. You might not be able to walk for up to six months, like in a way that you actually feel like cool and it's fine. Um, so, you're going for a vaginal birth. <laughs> And I was like, okay. And the first, the a Theo, I didn't have any. It was totally unmedicated. And like two contractions in, I was like, I've made a terrible mistake. But it was yeah. meant to be a home birth. And so it like, that just all, like, it was it was unmedicated. Um, right. With Beatrice, I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna get an epidural. But then as I was getting closer to it, I was like, oh, maybe I can just do it. When my pelvis went out, they were like, just so you know, the only way you will be able to push is if we give you an epidural. And I was like, oh, got it. Copy that. Totally. So... I was just at home for two weeks, had a wheelchair, had a walker to go to the bathroom. Like, it was wild. I'm so quiet um, right and- now because my jaw is on the ground. Like, I can't it was, it was fathom so insane. any of this. I know. And I was like, and my whole my whole family was super freaked because they were like, all we wanted to do is for Bryce to not have depression again. And now there's this and like what, and her, and her husband is working on a show and she's in Canada and like, you know, like family wasn't there at the time. So what's going to happen? So I had in advance um, scheduled uh, a baby nurse and she was like this like 27 year old, like baby nurse, like super like young and like go get her. Yeah. Yeah. Go get her. Awesome. 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 And she, I called her and I was like, here's what happened. This is going on. Like, I, I don't know when the baby's going to be born, but it's going to be kind of a different situation than we anticipated. Sure. And she was like, we're going to, don't worry, this is going to be totally okay. And, um, and I, I eventually, when I gave birth, it was, I was two weeks late. I got like wheeled into the hospital. They gave me an epidural before inducing me. And these were all things that like in my hippy dippy life, I was like, no, you know, right. and I'm not saying that it's like making the option to not participate in that is at all a bad thing. I was I was just very binary in my thinking. I was like, That oh, was no, your birth plan. Like you that. were like right, right. Yeah. You were very much like, this is the birth plan that I have always set for myself. And like yes. I also know yeah, it's gonna your happen. mom was your mom's labors all unmedicated? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um yeah. Yeah. I think with my sisters, because twins, twins she had vaginal births with my sisters. Um and she, I think she might have gotten an epidural near the end. And she said that she pushed, she pushed my first sister out. And then they said, okay, here comes the second. And she looked at them and she said, do I have to? <laughs> the only, that's like, amazing. Oh the only reason I oh ask is because I feel like a lot of times, I feel like your mom was featured in the dad's, um, in the show you directed and and because you're I feel like I got this vibe from your mom like she videotaped all your births and she was like super into it like I just got this vibe like maybe that's just what you grew up thinking like oh I'm gonna have an unmedicated birth and it's like so natural and so like part of motherhood and all this kind of shit where I grew up with a mom who was like I didn't know what the fuck was happening. I was on so many drugs. I didn't even know which way was up. So I was like, oh, great. I'm going to get a lot of drugs, like as many drugs as possible, because I do not want to feel this. But that's like the story I had been told my whole life. You know what I mean? My mom, I'm remembering now. Mm-hmm. So my mom, she did get an epidural with the twins. She didn't with my brother. She didn't with me until the very, like it was like 20 hours in or something crazy. Um, she called it the breath of God. <laughs> and I remember her saying with the first birth, she's like, Bryce, 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 please stay open. Just stay open. And so, you know, I think I was just much more prepared the second time mm-hmm. for to be supported. Yeah. And even though all the crazy stuff that happened happened, I was still supported. Yeah. And um, and so while I did definitely, and, and the baby nurse actually, she she mentioned to me, like, she started to see some signs and stuff. And she was like, you know, I would love for you to, to you know, mention these things with the therapist you're working with. But I was, 
because I had Beatrice in Canada, I was I, I had access to those services for a year. Oh, a year. I mean, yeah. come on. And it yeah, we talk a life. lot about on Katie's group. We talk a lot about like here in America, they give you like after you have your baby and you go to your six week checkup, which is the one thing that's covered by insurance. That's 15 minutes. You get a stupid fucking piece of paper that has five questions on it with different levels of smiley faces. Right. There's the sad <laughs> face, the face that has a smile that's a line or the smile. And you go through all the five and you're just supposed to say, do you think you're. Do you want to kill yourself? Do you want to? I mean, and this is how they assess whether or not you have postpartum depression. First of all, it's coming way too late. Six weeks is too late. You've already lost your mind. And like, it's just not it's it's just not good enough. Like, it's just not a good enough system at all. And I just encourage new moms. I'm like, I had a long conversation with Adam before I had Albie where I was like, listen to me, if two weeks go by after I have this kid and you don't recognize me as the person you've been in love with for 13 years, you have to make a lot of fucking phone calls. And here are the phone calls I need you to make. Like, here's my therapist. Let's get a psychologist on speed dial. Let's just make sure that I have the group around in case I need them, you know, like... um. And I just think women are just super unprepared. And I think we do a terrible job in America taking care of our women postpartum. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. What's interesting is actually one of the reasons why I wanted to make this movie actually had to do with paternity leave. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Get into this. Yes, I, <laughs> it was it was shocking. This statistic was shocking. Um, I'm not going to give exact numbers because it's mm-hmm. it's changing and it's a little sure. bit different. But it's like sure. so so forgive some generalizations. But um, what I learned is that for the majority of men all over the globe who receive paid paternity leave, they don't take it. So what's going on? What's going on if fathers who are receiving paid paternity leave are not taking advantage of it? And when we actually, like, when you look into it, and and I worked with um, an organization called the Promundo Institute in Brazil, and they're really, they're right at the forefront of this, of, of, of trying to, kind of solve what like what is going on and what changes can we make to support our fathers and to mm-hmm. shift this and and basically what what is happening globally is there is a stigma around fathers being caregivers that if fathers are caregivers then they are therefore not providers and if mm-hmm. they are not providers then they're lazy then they're not showing up 
for their family. They're not men. So they're not men. That they're they're not men. They're not yeah. masculine. They're not men. Sure. And this idea, this notion of you get paid paternity leave, but your boss is like, you know, come back when you're when you're ready. It's like, no, come back in six weeks. You know, there's a set period of time. It's not like that they get to pick or choose when they come back. Or even worse, it's like, oh, yeah, they're taking their paternity leave. Like, lazy Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, you know, I don't know if this guy's really committed to his job because, you know, he he took his paternity leave. He leaves early from work sometimes to go to a game like i don't i don't know about this guy if we want to be you know focusing on on leveraging someone like this and so that's just it's ass backwards it's i remember it in the in the in the move in dads it was like it, it hit me like I was like, oh, yeah, like if the dad or the partner like can't take paternity leave, who's supposed to take care of the mom? Like Adam was so key in my caretaking um, because I couldn't walk and because I was sitting on donuts and because I was struggling with emotional breakdowns every hour crying for no reason and because breastfeeding was such a struggle and was so scary and all of these things. But like he Adam was serious about it. He took a three month paternity leave on his own, not paid. Like, he just just told his agents and managers, I don't want a single audition. I'm not working. Call me after January. Like, I'm only going to get this a couple times in my life if I'm lucky. And I, there's no acting job or opportunity that's worth it to me. I just don't care. Which, I mean, listen, Adam Shapiro is, you know, I married the guy. But anyway. um, He's the best. Why (laughs) is, I love him so much, but why... I mean, I, I'm hoping this film and, and uh, can change this, but like how you, I really feel like you're shifting the narrative. So you guys know, like in this um, documentary that Bryce directed so beautifully, we're looking at dads in the caretaking role. Some of the dads featured in it are like 100 percent stay at home dads. Some of the dads are working and caretaking like a huge load with the mom. Um some and it's just and it's all over the world. There's dads in Japan. There's dad in Brazil. There's a dad in Maryland. There's a dad. I mean, it's showing stuff all over. But I do think it's such there's such stigmas attached to like dads not being the providers. It's really sucks. <laughs> like it's just the worst. Like, what was your reason for making the film? Was that part of it? Was it the paternity leave thing? Like, what what inspired it's, it? It was that we become what we see. What we see modeled for us either in our own households or what we see modeled for us, you know, out in our culture, or on our TV, on our phones, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And for such a long time now, it's been so obvious to me that I'm just not seeing the dads that I know in my life depicted on television. Like the, the dads on television are often like they're they're like sort of like loser dads. Like that's that's what seems to be more entertaining or something. Right. Or they're like over the top superstar dads. Right. You know, and, and that's that's a great thing to celebrate. But the reality is, is that most fathers, a vast majority of fathers are engaged, are totally committed to being remarkable parents, mm-hmm. um, are constantly trying and growing, and they are not being acknowledged. Like they are left off of like, for instance, I I was making this movie and there was at my kid's school, there was a texting chain that was started for moms. And I asked, could Seth be on it? Mm-hmm. But it was for moms. And I was like, what are you telling my husband? First of all, I'm not going to be able to respond to things because I'm, I'm, I'm working or whatever. I'm you're literally doing. directing Mandalorian right this second. Right. So my phone is off today you know my phone is off today tomorrow and the next day and so therefore the person who i trust the person whose responsibility it is the person who deserves to be included and acknowledged is is not and that's not like i mean that what the way that i just said that seems like super duper damning and and it's i don't mean it to be because um because it's like you know there's like this having a supportive group of mothers is Crucial. Absolutely crucial. Crucial. But we leave no room for fathers. And living across the street from us um, for many, many years was a family where the mom worked and the dad was a stay-at-home dad. And they had a son and a daughter who were the same exact ages as our kids. And he homeschooled them. 
Mm-hmm. And so our kids would constantly come home from school and just run over there and they would just be with Jay and Jay would be like watching all four kids. I was like, how are you doing this, man? And uh, Theo was seven at the time. Mm-hmm. And after about a month or two of this kind of consistent routine, he said to us, he said, I know what I want to be when I grow up. And we were like, what? And he said, a stay-at-home dad. And I realized that if he had never seen Jay be a stay-at-home dad, he never would have known that that was something that he could aspire to, that that was a a part of his purpose on this planet. And yet with little girls, it's like they're literally 18 months old. You're like, here's a baby. You have a little baby. You have a toy baby doll that you can burp and give babas and like all this crap. Yeah, it's It's like they're like grooming us. And again, it's not not to vilify that. But why, why are we leaving our our boys out? You know, why why are we saying that they are not of value in this area? Because it's so wrongheaded and it's it's not what boys want and it's not what men want. And so um, it, we are living in a time when we are publicly able to, for the first time, safely say what we what we hope our, our boys and men will aspire to. Mm-hmm. We can safely say these things now because of the Me Too movement. Right, right. We can say what we don't want them to do, and we must say what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. We must leave that space. And so it's not fair for, um, you know, like, I, it's essential that my son understands consent. It's insen- It's essential that my son understands white privilege. That's right. It's essential that my son understands about what it is to be a human being in the world, but it's equally essential that that my son understands that he has as much opportunities as my daughter does, especially when it comes to how he wants to create his family and the role that he wants to play in his family. And that is something that has just been just generation after generation undermined, just always, to the point where I realized when when we were making the movie and I was pulling footage in from Andy Griffith's show, mm-hmm. which was a show that I think was a really good example of what a father-son relationship can be like mm-hmm. and, you know, the kind of, like, how kind of how to raise a, 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 a young man in a way where you're involved, you're present, you know, there's integrity, all of that. His mom, Opie's mom was dead. Right. Like, there couldn't even be a mother. There couldn't a even be a mother part of it. Right, right, right. In oh, order for God. that relationship to, to exist. To be like that. To be like that. The to mom be had like to be that. out of the way. Oh, my God. Like completely out of the picture. Otherwise, it was maybe weird that the dad would be that engaged and involved, et cetera. So, like, what are we teaching our boys? And, 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 and the truth is, like, so much better than what has been depicted on television. Like, you know, the truth is Adam, is Seth, is Josh, is is Yeah, like and also the... you're – I feel like Seth, you know, your son has such a good shot because you do a beautiful job um, in Dad, like, showing how how we have a lovely line in the film between your granddad and then your dad and then your brother who also becomes a new, new father in the film, which is beautiful to see. And each of those – four no well you hear from three generations soon to be four but like you hear from the three men how each of those fathers modeled being so present like yes your dad was obviously on 8,000 sets and doing 8,000 hours when you guys were kids but there were pictures of like him balancing like three of the four of you on his knee while he's calling action like and and I related to that my dad was gone my dad's a fashion photographer and he shot on location you know, 200 days a year. And I feel like my dad was so fucking present. Like he Mm. was at every play I was in in high school. He was at every little recital. He was at every little, you know what I mean? Like he, and even when he was away, we talked on the phone every, like it wasn't like he was absent at all. So um, I just think Theo is really, if everything is true about modeling, he has to look to Seth. He gets to look to your dad he gets to look to your granddad um and his uncle reed of what it really can look like i mean i would be i would not survive with adam shapiro there is no way on this i'm serious like he yeah he's so um he gets really angry like when our when i went back to work when albie was little our nanny um we hired a nanny to come and adam all of a sudden started to feel pushed out like, he was like, I feel like I need to be on the text chain with you and the nanny. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, 
I don't care if she's here. If I'm t- I'm taking him, I'm taking him. You know what I mean? Like it was just like mm-hmm. trying to figure out that he still wants to be uh, involved, like in everything. He's involved in everything. Like n- no questions asked. What do you want um, people to take away from the film? I think that for for dads especially, mm-hmm. I would want them to feel or to know that they're not alone, mm-hmm. you know, to feel part of a community. And I think for me, when after after having my first kid and I just felt I felt so alone, you know, because like you said, like we were like you were the like only we were, people was, that were having babies. The rest of us were still gallivanting around Brooklyn like trying to like smoke cigarettes and be cool and like you know we were just like still making like really avant-garde art in like church basements like that were disgusting on like the lower east side like that's what we were doing and you were busy like making a family which was insane um oh my gosh but you were alone you were alone you were i felt alone i felt alone and i felt especially with postpartum and all of that and and when I, I finally started to feel like, oh, I can put a name to some of this was when I read like Brooke Shields' book. Yes. And uh, and so I think for dads, you know, it's like they don't necessarily, or at least what, what they the dads that I interviewed communicated with me, they don't necessarily see these examples um, again and again and again in a way that it affirms their own role and the, the work that they're doing in their family. And so... Um, and there's not kind of a language to the experience of fathers caregiving so that they are given that space and those boundaries and the respect so that it's like, okay, it's not just assumed that the dads don't want to be on the mom's texting chain. Mm-hmm. Like they want to, mm-hmm. they want to know everything that, that the mom would know. Um, so it's yes, 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 yes. Okay. So yeah. So, um, Brooke Shields book is yes, called, called Down, Down Came, Came the, Rain. the Rain, My Journey Through Postpartum Depression. Okay. Amazing. We're going to link to that. Now, I did a visual. If you remember, I said rain and I went down. Yeah, she did. She did rain <laughs> and she made like a raindrops with her fingers, like the itsy bitsy spider like type of thing. Now, Bryce, yeah. what did you... Ha- how was it directing? How was it directing your dad? Was Seth watching the kids while you were directing? Like, uh, tell me about that experience. Yeah. So um, I love to have the kids on set as much as allows because that's what my experience was like growing up. And I think that was really helpful. Really, really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for, for me to understand what my dad was doing all day and also for me to be involved and for me to have a sense of the adult world and all of that. Um, and so uh, it was really fun. It was really fun to do this documentary. Um, but that being said, it was what was interesting was that um, I was actually shooting Mandalorian, prepping, shooting, and then in post for Mandalorian during the week. And then on the weekends, I was um, doing all the interviews. And then ultimately, when I went into post for dads, it, it, it worked out with the And the interviews the are film. hilarious. The interviews, you guys, are like, it's like Kimmel, Fallon, Conan. It's like... The greatest, most hilarious, Hasa Mishan. Like it's oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the greatest. Oh yeah, Will Smith. Oh my God, (laughs) they're just hilarious. The most brilliant, hilarious dads talking about. God, you know what? It's not coincidental. I felt like the majority of them, and this is why this movie is so important. Now that I'm thinking about it, the majority of them also had wonderful dads. I feel like, right. That's what was really, 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 I mean, it really stood out to me that, that they, that, so there's, there's like two sets of dads who are, who are focused on in this movie and, and we called them the hero dads and the comedian dads. Mm -hmm. Um, And the comedian dads are uh, specifically fathers who um, are currently or have a history of um, being stand-up comics and because stand-up comics are really our modern-day philosophers. Mm. And um, and I wanted this kind of Greek chorus of dads uh, who could speak Genius. to the universal, the universality of it. But I also wanted it to be, even though even though it's, it's an emotional movie for a lot of folks, I started out wanting to make a comedy. <laughs> so oh, you did? My- <laughs> you did both. I was fucking, I was dying. The dad in Maryland who... As a full-on stay-at-home dad 
belief. I, I yes. mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or San Diego, actually. He's in San oh, Diego. sorry, sorry. Yeah. San Diego. Belief. Yeah. His kid, like, one kid's on the potty, and he runs downstairs <laughs> after he brought in groceries, and then another kid, while the other kids, he's down there with the one kid potty training. The one kid's going through the groceries, takes out the carton of eggs, takes the whole carton of eggs to the kid's crib, cracks all the eggs all over the crib. I mean, I was had tears streaming down my face. You can't. And he's like, you can't make this shit up. And then my yeah. wife comes home and asks me about my day. It's like, I can't tell you about my day. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Like, he was. It's hilarious and heartfelt and tears. But and he yes, was so sorry, real. And all the dads, all the dads that we profiled were so were so real. And then all the dads who are, are comedian dads were also so incredibly genuine. And what I learned was while um, the comedian dads that I was interviewing, when they would talk about their own fathers, you know, fathers largely of another generation. Yeah. And their dads were trying, you know, like their dads were like cared about their family. And even the fathers who they felt estranged strict. from or, yeah, or they were, or really were strict, strict or, yeah. or, you know, even if there were, you know, things that were problematic, there was always a huge amount of compassion because I think they saw that, that their fathers were dedicated. And it again speaks to that the vast majority of fathers are showing up and have been for generations, mm. but we still haven't made that space necessarily for them. I mean, best depicted with Shuichi, who's in Japan, when he could no longer provide for his wife, he thought of committing suicide. When she was like, just be, just, just be, uh, you know, they called, she referred to it as a house husband. Just be a house husband. Right. And he thought, like, you know, that I'm no longer of value because of that. And then he turned out to be the most amazing house husband. And oh, he's incredible. He ends up being father. diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that... So he can no longer work. And, yeah, he, he contemplates suicide. He's like, if I can't work, then I am no longer of value. And then he finds this amazing value in just raising a human being, which, come on, like, that is such beautiful stories. I was, like, completely blown away. And you're right. I don't – I've never seen anything like it. Like, I mean, we do a lot of work here on Katie's Crib really debunking the myths surrounding – motherhood and making sure people know what it really looks like and guess what you're not going to get your body back in 15 days or whatever the fuck hollywood says you know what i mean like and oh and gosh. and you might not like that your baby at first oh it's so dumb <laughs> it's so dumb i can't even i don't even have time i'm like that is so stupid what 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 are we doing it's so dumb escape to summer with victoria's secret Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing at all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.
But I really... Oh, I remember that. Sorry, I just got another image. When you were doing press for Spider-Man and you were dealing with postpartum and also the weight gain from Theo, that was not fun for you. (laughs) And why would it be? It was (laughs) awful. Awful. And I remember, I mean, this is the thing that's so beautiful. I was like, I was like, I was over 200 pounds when when I had Theo. And I remember when I was, um, by the way, I don't care about weight at all anymore and no. haven't for quite a while and my life is so much better for it. Um, when I, when I went to have Beatrice, I was like, I found out I was pregnant and I like went on this like hiking retreat and I was like, I hiked like 40 miles in in a week and I was like, I'm going to be so fit. I'm going to be such a fit mom. I'm going to be like so, 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 so fit. Months after Beatrice was born, months, I was 243 pounds there you have it folks (laughs) you can't control your body your body's gonna do what your body's gonna do no and also like so was beyonce like guys watching her documentary like beyonce was like i was over 200 whatever pounds pregnant like it's just it's gotta stop and and p.s i was super cute like you were so cute and also, you were making I was like, a wow, human. I can really handle this. <laughs> um, but I was thinking in the film, like I, in the documentary, I, I haven't seen, like, I, I feel kind of bad right now because I feel like we do a lot of work on Katie's crib on moms and like, look, that shit all needs to happen. One hundred percent, I'm all about it. But like, I. I have really taken for granted, I think, that Adam's just, like, the best. And, like, sometimes I'm in, like, a yoga class and everyone's like, thank your partners. Like, have you thanked your partner? And I'm like, shit, I got to thank my partner. Like, dang. Like, I have not really been doing that. And look at you. You made a whole film. Like, Seth, you, you're you good for a while. Like, Seth and your dad and your granddad and your brother, like, you don't have to buy them a gift for, like, a very long time. You are just singing fatherhood praises and really taking a look at why – culturally it's not okay to like be a house husband or a stay-at-home dad or fuck that even a dad that works but is super involved and showing up and trying and failing but trying again and keeping on trying keeping on trying like I don't know why we haven't seen that why it's it was so surprising honestly Katie it was so surprising to me like when it when it all started and and the way that I got this was that um, a company, Unilever, yes. uh, who owns Dove and Dove Men Care, yes. uh, wanted to make a feature film documentary about modern fathering. And that was it. That was like the only requirement. And they were the ones who were working with the Promundo Institute and had all the information about paternity leave and all of that. And so it wasn't something that came to me on my own. But the moment I was involved in it, I was like, why does this feel fresh? This should not feel fresh. This is very basic stuff. Like, wow. why, why? And, and I mean, it, it was, I was, I was kind of overcoming my own sort of like, like tunnel vision about mothering because I, I mean, at first I, I mean, I said in the room, I was like, I mean, yeah, paternity leave, but like, shouldn't I be like fighting for maternity leave? And then the more that I learned about it, it was like, oh, my gosh, if we're fighting for maternity leave, but we're not fighting for paternity leave, it is yet again putting all of the responsibility on the women and undermining the fathers and preventing them from being able to form a bond, competency, involvement, all of that. And learn how to do it. I mean, Adam's biggest advice for new dads, they whenever he talks to a friend who's about to have a baby and they ask, like, what do they think? He's like, listen to me, get super involved from the start because if you're not learning diapers and all this stuff, it it just means you're never going to do it. And then there's just more stuff that's going to come along that you're never going to do and she's going to do it all. And you're just going to be less and less and less and less involved. And um, so he's just like, do it all and don't be afraid. You're going to fuck it up a lot. Like, it's fine. Like, it's you're going to get to try again because they shit like six times a day in their diaper or like they take a bath like every night. So if you sucked one night, you can try it again, you know, or it's just like Seth, Seth changed every diaper unless he wasn't there. Every diaper because I was nursing. So you were in charge I, of I, input. He was in charge of output. One hundred percent. I want to just make sure that we know that dads is coming out June 19th. On Apple TV. I loved it. I watched it alone. I'm going to watch it again with Adam when it comes out. He's going to love it. It's so important. Like I And you just did such a great job 
Um, Thank you, Katie. Like you really, I, I mean, just blew my mind. I laughed. I cried. I felt, and I felt like what I was watching was important and fresh, as you said. Um, is there anything else you want to add about dads or what you learned or what you hope audiences take away? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? Uh, what I'll just share, and this is such a weird thing to just sort of like volunteer, but um, it was really interesting because, like I mentioned, when I was shooting when I was shooting dads, it was mostly on the weekends because I was doing Mandalorian during the week. And so much of the heart of that show is the relationship between Mando and baby and baby Yoda. And it's, it's a journey of really someone who like literally has a shell around them is like fully disconnected from, from everyone around them. Um, learns how to connect with this little vulnerable being and becomes their caregiver. And it was this really, I mean, John Favreau himself is just, he's just a, he's a puddle of dad love. Like he's just like the sweetest dad. Like Like the the reason he created the show in part um, was so he wanted, he wanted to make something so that he could stay at home um, with his kids, he's got three kids because his wife is a doctor at Cedar Sinai, mm. and um, and he's like, if I leave, then like you know she can't leave her practice, and then I'm not seeing my kids, and and he just refused to to do that um, like ever, and um, and so that's why he created this production and the conceit of it and all that sort of stuff that allowed facilitated so cool. shooting in in Los Angeles, but at that you know he's the writer of the show. It was just so apparent, just scene after scene. It was like, oh my gosh, this is kind of a love story to new fathers in a way. You know, fathers like learning, like having their hearts opened and accepting this into their life, you know, and, and then and then discovering what the adventure is from there. And and I think the some of the best scenes of that show are the shows that exist between Baby and Mando, and it's like basically out of like Kramer versus Kramer. Mm. And and it's it's a dad figuring it out. So, you know, I I I don't, in retrospect, I don't think it was an accident. Um, that you were doing both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was like, oh, okay, this is the theme of this year. Yeah. And in terms of Father's Day, I did totally, totally, Beatrice asked me on Mother's Day this year. She was like, what What are we going to get Daddy for Father's Day? What are you going to get Daddy? And I was like, it's okay. I made Daddy a documentary this year. Yeah, you good. <laughs> Like you're so good. He wasn't featured that much, so I do. There, there's, there's gonna be, there's gonna be cards. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> one last question: What is any advice for moms with new babies um, going through it? Gosh, I would say that that is a given, and to take that on as a given. And that it's just, it's out of your control for a while. And it's out of your control because your hormones take a while to get back online. It's out of your control because it takes a while to practice competency with raising children. And 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 that it's probably the best thing that you could ever do for your child, for yourself, and for your partner is to involve your partner in absolutely everything and to to expect it. And then to allow it, because what happens a lot is it's like, oh, that's the diaper doesn't get changed that way. Oh, no, I don't like it when. Oh, but you're doing. Oh, uh, you're uh, going to hurt her. You're going to. Yeah, I know. It's bad. And it's dads do it differently than moms. And so to allow that. Let it go. Process. Yes. Let it go. Which, you know, which, you know, better than anyone. Right, Katie? The minute I let, I stopped trying to control that I did it better, like Adam just does it differently. And what that is, is a break for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're talking about potty training right now. Like, uh, he really likes to poop with me because he feels safe. But you know what? Right now in quarantine, I get afternoons off and I do morning sessions. So in the afternoon is when he poops and I have to let go that that's going to be Adam's situation. And like... (laughs) <laughs> I can't control that. And like, I want to, I want to be there so bad, but I also have my work to do. And so it's going to, f- I have to just let the poop lie where the poop's going to lie. You know what I mean? And I yeah. feel so lucky that I learned to just let it go. Let him be super involved, even if he's going to do it differently, even if it's going to go bad or wrong, which really isn't true. Um, it's just different. And then it just gives me a break. So I love that yeah. advice. 
I think it's spot on. Thank you so much, Bryce. It's great. Thank you, Katie. These memories, the memory lane. Thank you for coming on Katie's Crib. I couldn't be happy for you guys. Happy Father's Day. Watch Dads on Apple TV. It's brilliant and a wonderful thing to watch with your families, with your with your uh, partners, with the dads in your life, the father figures in your life, um, to celebrate them. And Bryce, you did a beautiful job. Thank you so much for coming on Katie's Crib. Thank you, Katie. I've wanted to do this forever. I'm oh, so excited. so this lucky. Thank you guys so much listening to the episode. A huge, massive shout out to all the dads out there. Happy, happy, happy Father's Day. Sending you all my love. And if you love the episode and want to hear more, please subscribe, tell your friends, share, rate, do all the things so we can keep making Katie's Crip. Thanks, guys. Happy Father's Day. Katie's Crib is a production of iHeartRadio and Shondaland Audio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Radio.